0: Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. As ever, in these difficult times, thank you to all the school staff listening. The work you do has never been more important to the communities you serve. Right, today I am, I'm overjoyed, frankly, uh, to be joined from Plymouth by David Samuels, head teacher of Mayflower Primary Academy. He is a great friend of mine and of the key, and I've been lucky enough to visit Mayflower and I've met staff and and pupils and seen at first hand the brilliant way Dave engages with his school community and beyond and it's been really incredible to see those connections continue online over the past few weeks. So welcome Dave, I'm looking forward to um, you telling all the listeners about it too. And just before we begin, I'd like to remind everybody that the podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around issues. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. So, Dave, uh, can you give me a flavour of what normal normal life is like at, at Mayflower?
1: Hi Caroline you very much for that warm welcome um yeah and and, and equally i see the key and yourself as a as a critical friend uh, there for us throughout our journey that we've taken as a school through some of the toughest times through acquires improvement and more of that visionary thinking and support and networking through now to what is essentially in an ofsted grading sense uh, do with that what you will um, and outstanding so uh, thank you we even begin, um and what, what's really powerful about our conversation today i think carolina is that you've actually visited the school you will be picturing in your head the things that we might talk about and come up with a conversation you'll be able to challenge me um with any further insights that you might be curious about normal life at mayflower okay <laughs> yeah. well it's a, it i'm going to be of course very biased from the beginning it's an incredible space it's an incredible place i think when people visit mayflower which is, is 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 frequent you know we have an open invite to, to colleagues from around the country around the globe um they're always struck by the building which which is really annoying <laughs> because as lovely as the building is um it, it, it's a bit of a barrier for, for us to um, get past the oh that wouldn't work in our place mm. type of conversation you know and one of the most interesting things is to watch that shift for colleagues as they move beyond the building and start to look at the people Mm. and start to understand that Mayflower's normal life is, I would say, 80%, if not more, about the people that we hire, the people that we engage with and serve as as a wider community, our families, our friends, our businesses, uh, etc. So, yeah, I'm talking about a building. It, It was built in 2009, and... That building at the time was quite um, a revelation in the sense that it was the last of the labour money mm. and it's brought together two schools. One school was bottom of the local league tables, the other one was second to bottom of the local league tables, interestingly. One school had no space. It had an intimidating feeling in the sense that from the outside it had these really high level fences and grills and mm. all the things you'd expect um, when the when the commu- surrounding community may be spilling into the school with its, some of its challenges um it, and it just felt a bit of a fortress um the other school had hardly any pupils but was built in an old secondary building so it had loads of space um people rattling around in there and this new building that we've created um brought together i guess the best of both schools and started to to put things in place like grass neither school had had blade of grass before so we've got these big wide open spaces on the side uh, of the school, you have got woods, woodlands, which are which are stunning, um, and that's right in the middle of essentially what what it was to mostly council estates. Um, yeah, so so a normal day at Mayflower is around uh, serving a, a, a primarily deprived or certainly historically deprived uh, community, um, and the staff really took the, the mantra at the early in the early days of uh, keeping chaos out and order in um it, it, it we don't we don't talk like that anymore it's a completely different space Caroline as you know and it's mm-hmm. very much around um being really proud of observing two communities that have come together to make a new one and they have really shone uh, and our job really is to shine a, a shine a light or a mirror I should say back on all the best bits of those two communities as one um and, and our staff love the hustle and bustle of Mayflower School you, you've experienced it yourself it's Different parts of the day, it's got a real energy about it, mm. and then there's other parts of the day around teaching and learning where there's real focus and peace and quiet and a, a real value of the time that's necessary to to really focus down on on creating your best work. And, so, so,
0: yeah. and something I've been lucky enough to experience is um, the role that uh, pupils play them, themselves in in the the running of the school, particularly. Um, through the Chofsted Group and and at lunch times and in lots of ways in which um, pupil people voice is really at the the heart of what you do. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. And I'm really pleased you picked up on that. Um, quite quite often I'll, I'll, I'll visit schools or colleagues and and you know there's not a better or worse, but it's just interesting to see the differences of ethos and uh, a school might set itself up to hold on to knowledge or to be the to be the owner of the knowledge, they might set themselves up to be the director of learning, which I, I, gen, I generally agree with as, as a really good strategy for, for helping children make progress in all aspects of their life. However, um, one of the things we consciously do at Mayflower is try and get that learning in the hands as quickly as possible of the children themselves. And what you're describing, Caroline, are things like pupil action groups, testing challenging um, being curious and taking ownership for some of the decisions in the school and some of the um some of the uh, judgments that we make about ourselves um so that we can so that we can um in- continuously improve it's not about uh, the energy coming from the center of the school in terms of teaching it's the energy coming from the center of the schools in terms of the learning the pupils themselves
0: how have the the last few few weeks been what 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 what's changed? What's different? And and what's still the same?
1: The the move to more remote learning, mm. um, I think, has done two things. It's, well, it, it, sorry, it enables you to, or forces you to make one of two decisions. You either disconnect with people, or you connect with people. And certainly, at our school, our families, our Staff have all made a conscious decision to stay connected. They've just made a decision to over communicate, mm. and I think what that's done, and if you think about remote learning situation, like a, a Zoom meeting or something like that, it enables you to notice different things. It enables you to ask more
0: questions, it, because you're listening in a different way. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And I what I, what I think is really interesting is that, and certainly from a personal perspective, because you're listening. You're using your ears more than you are your eyes, because you're having to listen very carefully to the answers people are giving to you, the questions you're asking. I think that you have to tolerate and embrace that diversity in meeting situations. Um, so I think the thing that's changed for me is that I've got a really heightened awareness that quality and the content of conversations creates trusted interactions. I think it's clear in it's clearer than ever now. That where there isn't quality, and there isn't um, a, where there isn't quality of the content of conversations, then you start to question. You start to question the, the, the degrees of trust mm. uh, for what it is we're working on. And I think that that's been really revelationary, actually. And I'm really pleased about that. That we're really challenging ourselves to really be thoughtful about what people bring to a meeting, as opposed to just being in a meeting. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very is a very different sort of um experience to to just sort of being present in a room and kind of making up the numbers as you say it can be much more intense when you're when you're when you're listening in that way and and you know a- a- actually um m- much more questioning about the purpose and and point of meetings that you could just regularly drop into zoom and actually people thinking you know what, what? do we need to What do we need to achieve this? Do we Do we keep doing it in the same way during this situation? Do we keep doing it the same way ever again? Um, I think that's opening up a lot of a lot of questions for people at the moment.
1: Yeah. it's a great leadership opportunity. You know, real real ability, uh, opportunity to develop. You know, asking ourselves, what is the quality of our conversation? What is the purpose of this conversation? Who needs to be there for how long? You know, really really looking at effective ways of working without it becoming mechanical and mm. I'm just really passionate about people having their own identity and being proud of who they are still being able to take critique and feedback but actually valuing that diverse nature of, of a makeup of a meeting um, and and that remote tech is all well, that tech is allowing us to be more networked and be able to bridge the gap geographically literally geographically mm. to, to people who maybe' be able to offer a different level of challenge in these meetings so I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Um, I guess, may I continue? I mean, I've got yeah. s- some other observations you made me think. Um, something that's changed, and this is really, really interesting. I mean, I'm going to be very, very broad here, um, so don't take me too literally, but essentially I'm, I'm looking at two, two, um, two ends of a spectrum, two ends of a continuum. One being, ordinarily, you'd have families that were very time poor, um but they may have amples of space at home they may have amples of resources or access to resources and they may be experts in something professional in their lives so i'm talking about primarily working parents who will be very time poor with their children Mm. Um, i think we can empathize with that caroline carl indeed Um, (laughs) on the other end of the spectrum you ordinarily got parents who are time rich um maybe have space or not, maybe have access to resources, but maybe be less confident in their professional um, capacity to, to enhance children's learning experiences. So what this latest stage has clearly done for me, when the conversations I'm having with families, is that's evened all that out. And then the question then arises for me is, out of those other areas, so time, space, resource and expertise, which are the most powerful things that a family need to have access to to enable them to, to go on and be um, empowered to support their children's learning? Mm. Uh, I've, there's, there's a question around catch up for children when they arrive back at school. Well, I'm really excited about the fact that families have caught up with connections with their children and yeah. with each other. So, I mean, there'll be, there'll be examples, Caroline, where that's not been a positive thing. Of course mm. there will. But I, I think what I'm interested in is how many families are contacting me saying, we are now engaged. We are, we are enjoying that time with our children. We're really enthusiastic about becoming even more empowered about supporting our children when they go back to school post this next few weeks. So I think, how do you support those families who will go back to being time poor but have got all the enthusiasm, the motivation. What they need are just tactics. They need to understand what works. So yeah, that's that's been really interesting. And we've got we've got five ways of engagement. We've got a strategic model for engagement at Mayflower, Caroline.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'll walk you through those 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 waves if I may, because right. they might start to make a bit more sense. Because there's a real opportunity now for these these types of frameworks that schools are using. There'll be very there'll be many out there. This is this is ours. Um, there'll be great opportunities for these to really be embedded now and to begin to make even more sense for the communities than before for the reasons I've given. Um, Yeah, so initially a family will decide to join a school. They'll sign up, won't they? They'll they'll sign on the dotted line and they'll get attendance to that school. Um, The next stage for me, so that's stage one, if you like, first wave. Second wave is around stepping up um, and starting to really experience being at school, being on time, Mm. wanting to be there maybe. The third wave is around um, building perspective and experiencing new things, um, and this is where it starts to drop off in terms of family engagement. Some families just literally sign on the dotted line, don't they? And and, and schools are very happy to then say over to us. Um, I'm I'm incredibly passionate, as you know, and this is the way Maple set up to offer families the opportunity to engage in wider experiences themselves. Um, we move on to the fourth stage, which is around accelerating learning. So we're really starting to knuckle down now into what it means to be an effective learner. Mm. Um, starts to feel a bit more mechanical at this stage as we start to look at outcomes a bit more. Um, and then the ultimate goal and uh, is for is is to do what's happening right now naturally, Caroline, which is enabling people to be empowered to really to to be to stay engaged. And I really like that idea of being enjoying learning with their children. Yeah. So our five waves of engagement, if there's ever a time that anyone wants to listen to the fact that they may have some relevance, it is now, because actually, they are happening right in front of our eyes, those waves, families are moving up and down those waves, depending on the social position and their, um, sorry, their family position, sorry, in the same way we're moving through those those stages of grief or stages of change that were mentioned a bit earlier.
0: Mm. And
1: Yeah, so... Yeah, I've got I me. Mean, I've got some other observations. If you, if you, yeah,
0: please, please keep sharing.
1: <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got about four or five observations, really. Um, I think, I think what schools, what, what, what seems to be happening now for me, there's a real, there's op- is is an opportunity because of the interest that families are now showing and the value that families are giving. They, they're understanding that school has a purpose beyond child care, and I'm not suggesting for a second that that's what everybody judges school as being. But they're really understanding that that the child needs to have some form of education because they're worried about them not being at school, aren't they now? They're asking the questions rightly. What's going to happen when we come back? How will they catch up? I'm asking, what does catch up mean? But my my point is this, that ordinarily a school improvement model, I would say on the whole, the vast majority of schools in the UK will be using a model that looks a bit like this. 80% of their time will be spent on business on the business of improving teaching. Now, who wouldn't agree with that, Caroline? And and then spend 20% of their time developing ideas to sustain that teaching. Ordinarily, you'd think that that was a really good model to be using, and I wouldn't disagree with it, but I think what this last few weeks has taught us, or is showing us, is that we're now in a position where we're putting in the hands the teaching and the learning with the parents, and they are spending time exploring, 80% of their time, exploring what it is that makes effective teaching and probably 20% of the time um, understanding the business of improving teaching. So I think we need to be thinking very carefully about how we involve the whole community around their interests, their talents, to empowering them to have greater access to the time, space, resources, and expertise they need to be able to not just take care of some of the business of improving teaching, but that they are also involved in the ideas and the energy and the interest it takes to sustain that teaching. So what I'm trying to say is that you could operate a school improvement model that says to a parent, leave the teaching, learning, and assessment to us. We will tackle the business of teaching. What I'm suggesting is that families have huge, huge value to be able to impact on those life choices of the children if they're engaged mm. in uh, a process that increases their access to time, space, resource, and expertise. Um, you know, that, that African proverb, it takes a whole village to raise a child. That's That's what I'm talking about. And I think we need to spend more time on testing ideas that will then go on to sustain teaching. I think the community can sustain school improvement alongside schools. They don't have to be islands in that. It's the time to be brave. Mm. And I think, going back to my my previous point around um, it takes a whole village to raise a child, I think what's really important is that we don't shut our families out now. What what we do is we embrace, uncover, put a mirror back to, all the fantastic things that they are doing with their children so our strategy has been as I said to the, presently it's it's been to over communicate Caroline so mm. we've made we've said that we don't make no apologies for over communicating the reason for that is our, our, our strap line is together we can and, and wouldn't, wouldn't it be a shame now with that strap line if we if we close the doors on each other and disconnected um, and got on with some paperwork in the background I think what what I think is really powerful at the moment is that we open up opportunities for families to discuss, to help us decide what to do next. One of the things that we're doing right now is we're being brave in the sense that we're going live to the community and they're, you know, putting in the hands of the community the, the topic of conversation. And we're listening very carefully to the themes that are coming out of those ongoing conversations. So they're not one-offs. They're the continuation of uh, two-way chat and we're looking at how those themes will help us be informed to create the type of school the type of community that those families feel they want and need as we return um, I'm a great believer that that in order to be able to make good choices you need to ask a questions and, and really think and listen carefully then be prepared to think hard as well and I think good relationships that thrive give time for chat that's off-piste mm. So ordinarily, a family might be doing a lot of talking with the school around those their their issues, their worries, their hopes, their fears, and the school will be doing a lot of talking about um their expectations. Um, you know, I'm being again, I'm being broad stroke here, yeah. but I think what this is making us do, and I think it right, is have those off-piece conversations and see people as 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 much more valued, uh, but, and and for school to be more valued as well. Um, I'm really excited about about how this is is enabling us to to listen carefully to each other's perspectives so yeah I mean we're taking a we're, we're writing a daily newsletter that takes some doing
0: mm. um,
1: and we will only do that you know it doesn't have to be daily uh, we've asked the parents they want it daily um, we will only post one out if we think it's beautiful and and, and that's our opinion <laughs> the <There's laughs> science behind that and and one of the measures of beautiful will, will literally be has it got any worth? Um, is it is it adding anything of value to our families? And and one of those simple ways of adding value, Caroline, is just to simply um, play back the great things that are happening in the community. But I guess a second strand to that would be bring a different perspective to this to this experience now, a different one to the one that our our families in our community are having. So we're looking at topical things from around the world, or different experiences of of, of the pandemic, or yeah. So we're being very open. And very strategic, but also very available to just respond to whatever the community brings to the table.
0: And you're sharing those those newsletters on on your Twitter feed as as well, so so anyone can have a have a look and see what you're what you're doing there.
1: Yeah, we we I'd really love to hear feedback, actually, because um, our teachers are working um, under their own. Uh, this is this is their decision they, they they're, they're working remotely and they're producing lessons um that can be accessed by anybody anywhere in the world um they're sharing waltz and all all their thinking and they're distilling down their ideas and they're trying i'm you know really proud of everybody they're really trying hard to develop a new set of skills that they they would have got to in the end but they fast-tracked i think you're you, i'm sure we're all feeling that carolina there are things that yeah. we were just on the, on the edges of but now we're right in the heart of development so things like um creating lessons online for some schools would have been what they've always done for us that wasn't the case so mm. our fa- staff have had to fast track that i really it's going very very well actually and what i'm really proud of is there's a blend of really direct teaching caroline like this is your maths today page 47 or whatever it might be of your textbook and then there's more holistic um type activities which the community have been asking for again we're listening carefully mm. to what they need so yeah
0: it's quite interesting yeah and kind of coming on to to think about um the future either in in your school or more broadly what what do you think might change uh as as we come out of this situation and and beyond
1: really good question because i don't know (laughs) you you said what 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 do i think so i'll have a stab at that mayflower has always set itself up with an extended day as you know caroline it's it's always had a longer day than the schools in the local area it's always had a longer week so the school stays open on saturdays etc and i think one of the things that will be valued will be that that has always been in place i think one of the things that concerns me is that's always been in place but not to simply gain better outcomes uh, from a core perspective what it's designed to do is to build on those five ways of engagement and it's 100% about uncovering the talents and interests of our community and enabling them to empower themselves to sustain the teaching and learning which is what I was talking about earlier you know it's not just the business of teaching mm. it's around how you build ideas to sustain the business of teaching and too much time is could argue spent on one not the other so I think Caroline I think what will happen is yet schools will be expected to have a different strategy for engaging with their community I just really hope that we can hold on to a more holistic way of thinking about that and it doesn't just become about accountability and about exams Um, and of course we are set up to have a a very broad approach to that and I, I hope that's that's more understood than ever
0: Um. Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting point about um, accountability, Uh, you know, there's often been movements, particularly around, you know, boycotting sats and, 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 and these kinds of things. And obviously, we will have a year this year, pretty much of kind of ground ground zero, where those, you know, where those things aren't, aren't happening or collected in that, in that way. So it is interesting to think about about what what reflection that might cause in in the sector but also what reaction then might happen from from government on 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 the other side um, but it's sort of you know, that's that scenario is something that you know a lot of people have have wanted to see happen and kind of not not through this, these circumstances but it but it now has um,
1: yeah. yeah that's a really good point I mean Let's have a go at this. What happens when the most important thing to some is not the most important thing for most?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and I, again, a generalisation, but isn't it interesting that schools are measured um, and, and the badge of value for money is used um, for its accountability around outcomes, and then all of a sudden overnight, with no one having control over this, those very outcomes, those very values, those very va- measurements, That is used to inform families about how good a school is disappear
0: yeah
1: i really am interested i reach out to colleagues who might be nationally globally uh, and and even inspectorates you know i'm interested to see how a school might be deemed as worthy um under the you know a trust a business model Mm. that maybe looks more not just broader and in a, in a, in a cause, because it'd be interesting to, but broader in the sense that how are families choosing schools? How are families now valuing the schools that they go to? I think it'd be a great indicator to try and get some data on that. Um, again, not wishing to bring measurement in for the wrong cause, really, mm. Caroline, and I'm, I don't know how we'd fare, <laughs> but I would be interested to see what, when a school closes, which communities feel the most supported uh, with their well-being, their mental health, all the more holistic stages of development um, for example we're, we're trying really hard to engage with families at the moment those who've been asking for online courses right now
0: mm. we're reacting
1: to that um in a remote sense well i would hope that that would be a good indicator and i you know my common my common sense would say that that was a really good indicator of a good school a school that was trying really hard to do something for the benefit of their children uh, and their families but nowhere in there are we doing that because of a it's going to get us better exam results it might mm-hmm. and it depends on what the course is about but uh, and i'm really excited about empowering families to know what works yeah um so
0: what but, kind of but, what kind of courses are uh, do people have in mind there
1: oh that's so oh we've been i've had a conversation for the last three days just on these things caroline so i'll put them in different, different boxes the first box is primarily a- answering what the families need uh, what the families are asking for so that, a, a, a really clear theme is that they, they, they're struggling to learn at home with their children. So they would mm. like to know more about, uh, everything is not rosy at the moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, they would like to know more about how do you set a, a, a routine, a positive routine yeah. around family engagement and learning, not one or the other. That's the first thing. And that's really exciting because what we can do with that one, Caroline, is we can give our our experience, we can share our experience and some of the tools and resources that we use at school. We can put them back into a home context and see which ones are still relevant.
0: Mm.
1: And we can learn more about what's effective because we can ask the families to engage in trialing things and they can also share their experiences. Again, as I say, a two-way chat. Taking the, 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 It takes a village to raise a child. You know, I think that's really interesting. So responding to, to family need, the second area is around our staff. As you know, I'm massive on, on enabling staff to have the personal identity and, and really thinking hard about what it is that they offer that's unique and different and, and understanding where that fits in the big picture. So what staff are able to do now is really think carefully about if they were to have a different type of audience, let's say they're used to talking to the to their trust or their board or their governors or each other, but they're not necessarily used in the same way remotely to be talking to a family about how are you how can you effectively teach maths. Um then what they've got to do is have an identity. They've got to have an opinion. They've got to make some decisions. And I think that's really interesting, Caroline, that they can now use this opportunity to distill their thinking and and learn more about what works than ever before. So Mm. it's a strategy we've always used, Caroline, in school, as you know, to share, to challenge each other, and publish beyond our postcodes so that we get feedback. Um, But now I think why not use that same approach to engage with families around what works? I mean there's so much noise on the internet at the moment isn't there and Mm -hmm. maybe we create some of it I think we've got to cut the noise out and I think families are going to have 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 an absolute need to want to know what come on just tell me schools what works what do
0: Mm -hmm. I do I'm hoping that a lot of a lot of uh listeners will start following you and the work of your your brilliant team uh, at Mayflower and um, really I'll put put details in the in the podcast notes uh people can access uh your newsletters and and see some of the uh the tremendous fun that that children and families are are having together um, and, and, the, and how widely that's being shared. Uh, saw a l- lovely video of uh, one of your pupils m- 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 baking in the kitchen and Jamie Oliver noticing what he was up to. You know, it's, um, it's really uh, exciting to see how, how far, you know, positivity and creativity uh, can spread. And anything you'd like to say to our listeners uh, in closing?
1: Uh, I think that's a nice way of, of ending. I think be proud, of, be proud of the decisions you're making and be prepared to be challenged on them it would be something that I would, would ask colleagues in the, in the, in the, in the industry and, and outside the industry to come and, come and do with us, You know, challenge us about what is it we do and why. I'd, I'd invite you to do that, either remotely or in person, once this period's over. And I love the point you make around fun. I want our community to feel that learning is joyous and I want our teachers and and our leaders uh, embody this in everything they do. They look for the joy in everything. They are not victims to the system. Um, they own their diaries diaries as much as possible, and they really do look for every opportunity to support each other to, to sustain improvement and not be burnt out. So, I, I yeah, I just I'm in, I'm in awe of what the education system's doing right now and its ability to be able to react react. And I I really hope that. We can come together as a, as a, an industry, if you like, and make sure that our schools are fit to serve our communities better than they've ever been before. I mean, my final point is that Make ambition moving forward is to make the most connected community possible. Um, I, I feel more connected than ever to the staff um, and to those families. I can't wait to get connected with staff, with, with the pupils when they come back into school as well. But yeah good good luck to everybody and i I look forward to anyone who wants to make contact that that, uh,
0: excites me indeed well thank you so much dave for making time to talk to us today and thank you very much for listening key voices is produced by the key giving education leaders the knowledge to act members of the key for school leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.